0: Hi, you are listening to Thoughtful Wellness Revolution with Zara and Hien, a podcast where we believe wellness isn't wellness if it's just for you. Today, we are talking to Nisha Sharma, she, her, owner of Alchemistic Studio, I'm Tayana Lin, otherwise known as Puerto Rico.
1: What's on your mind today? What's on my mind today? Oh my goodness. Not much of anything, which is refreshing. (laughs) Um, my my girlfriend's friend is visiting, and so I'm kind of in vacation mode. And so I feel very present and kind of not in work mode. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's what's on my mind right now.
0: We appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, especially in vacation mode. That's really great. Uh. <laughs>
2: yeah, so we'd love to know more about um, you and your work. Uh, in particular, um, how you got into... Uh, yoga and activism and and how that kind of translate into how I see it from following you in your work how you're trying to build the kind of world that you want to see
1: oh cool thank you um yoga is in my lineage so I've known about yoga my whole life my grandfather practiced and in college I found it as a healing tool because I kind of realized that I was using unhealthy coping mechanisms for you know trauma resolution, stresses of life, things like that. And I know that yoga is part of like the wellness pantheon. And so I sought it out and I ended up really figuring out that it reminded me of a lot of traditions and things that I grew up with from India because my parents are Indian and it kind of brought me back to this innate spirituality that I've always kind of had inside of me and lost a little bit along the way Um, and activism. I'm just one of those regular old cases where I went to college and got radicalized. Um, I I love that. (laughs) Um, It's kind of true. I think like the more you learn about the world and the more education you get, the more you realize things have to change and you learn about history and how we might be repeating some nasty things and that we could you know build a better world and I did go to a more liberal college called UMass in Massachusetts and I learned about Marxism and I built my own major and I called it writing for social change so I learned about contemporary slavery, African American studies, women's studies, um, literature from around the world and I just put a fire under my ass to to be an activist.
0: That's really beautiful. I appreciate you sharing about your major because when Hien was telling me about you, one of the things she mentioned was that you also designed your own major and she was in sort of an interdisciplinary studies major and I was as well. And I think it's interesting to see those of us who are in these majors where it's like not really well-defined and we're all coming to this like some sort of activism in some regard because it's like, hey, these problems are bigger than this one field or this one field or thinking of this one way and it's one thing and it's about shifting on such a bigger level. And I really appreciate that your work does that.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. It's almost like you interdisciplinary study and then you become intersectional in your mode of thinking. And then that leads to this activism mindset that's really beautiful.
2: Yeah, I I totally... Uh, agree with that. And it's funny, because up until you just mentioned, it, and I was all, I didn't even think about that. Uh, but it I mean, I think it totally makes sense. And, you know, I think for me, um, I I sadly didn't get to design my own major. And so, you know, it's funny, because I hear people say things like, Oh, like, you know, when you go to college, you're going to learn, like Marxism, and become like super radical. But I felt like for me, that wasn't necessarily the case, because I, I had a degree in um, politics, philosophy and economics. And it was kind of set for me. And I studied a lot of economics and as you can imagine it's very like classical neoliberal stuff that I learned and and I felt like but for me because I was so um not satisfied with kind of learning like okay we have all these problems in the world and these are I I feel like I was just taught like this is like, like it is the way it is um but not really taught how to solve it and so I think for me it wasn't really until afterwards that I really felt more I guess radicalized where I'm like that wasn't enough. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. there needs to be more than that. Um, And so I'm curious for you in particular, when it comes to activism, like what was one of the first issues that really brought into your mind um, that that you learned, whether in college or afterwards, that you're like, oh, this is something that needs to be addressed or needs to be talked about?
1: You know, when I first think about activism, actually, like, I can remember the seed being planted when I was a preteen teenager because I turned, like, 12 um, when 9-11 happened, and I remember all of the racism that was prevalent around me, and I can resemble a Middle Eastern person if you're bigoted and ignorant enough, and so I firsthand experienced the racism that comes with living in America, and I saw the military industrial complex, how these wars were being profited off of and reasons are just kind of thrown out there for why we need to kill a bunch of innocent people and, you know, that it's actually about resources. And so I think that's the first seed that planted in my mind of kind of like anti-fascism and activism. And I think to this day, I mean, that's so relevant right now. Um, that is in the forefront of my mind.
2: Totally. I I think it's super uh, relevant right now, and I just want to say, like, I really admire, um, you know, in your, uh, like, for instance, on your Instagram, I noticed that you are so expressive, and and so uh, outspoken about your feelings on everything, and I just want to say, like, I love it so much, like, so much of what you post, Um, I am just like, wow, like this is this needs to be said and like more people need to say it. And and so I'm curious to know how you feel about, um, I guess, the use of social media um, and activism or, you know, even the type of yoga uh, that you try to uh, present on your page.
1: Yes, it is much to my father's dismay, who I love to death, but he's kind of conservative. He's always like, why do you share so much of yourself online? You know, what if you ever want to enter like the mainstream job market, this, that and the other. But I'm a writer and it just like it yearns to be said for me. I just think social media is a powerful tool and it's what we make of it. And it's why and how we use it. And social media activism is so important. I think it's like a key facet for us changing the world, especially during this pandemic. And the fact that it kind of unites the whole globe. So, like, I remember Arab Springs when that happened. The reason we knew there was these uprisings in Egypt is because of social media. And then as a youth around the globe, we could kind of rally behind them and uplift their voices. Right now, also, like, the farmers' protests in India relies heavily on Facebook. And so I just think, you know, using social media for activism and using it because, like, people are going to look at it. So why not use it for something good rather than... know it can get kind of addictive and kind of like time consuming and be kind of damaging
2: vanity project for some yoga people you know where it's Mm -hmm. like let me just post myself uh doing a handstand by the beach and uh
0: have like a very cheesy corny quote (laughs) (laughs)
1: like yep i know the type
0: (laughs) i i mean like i would say there's a lot more of that than i would say there's wellness and activism but i see that things are really starting to shift. And I do see that happening with within the BIPOC community, which I think is really beautiful and wonderful because it's just a movement forward that we really need to see. And it feels more natural, if that makes sense, than sort of like a forced diversity campaign that we see a lot in um, mainstream wellness and or yoga spaces.
1: Because mm-hmm. the internet's still free and we hope it stays that way. So yeah, it's really authentic, and these communities can form and express themselves without. Well, there probably is still censorship. I know the algorithm's super white supremacy, but I do agree. It feels more organic, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah, that is definitely an issue for some of um, some some folks I know, mostly BIPOC, um, who have felt like they have been shadow banned, like on Instagram or you know on other social media, and so mm-hmm. that that's definitely um, an issue. Uh, but I was, um, hoping if you could share a little bit more about um, Alchemistic Studio and sort of um, what you offer and and also why you offer it the way you offer it. Because I do think um, Alchemistic Studio and just looking at like you know your website and and your I guess workshops that you've had in recent times in the last few months, I find really unique in yoga and well in the yoga and wellness world.
1: Thank you so much i um I created an inclusive studio because last year with Black Lives Matter, like catching so much um, media attention and kind of like sparking this global movement. I started to really unpack my own dealings with racism and with the systems that are in place. And I started to really realize that I had allowed myself to get really deep into the colonial world of, quote unquote, spirituality and yoga and wellness. And I looked around me and realized that every single yoga studio that I went to was run by and taught by white people thin women who probably, you know, did cheerleading or gymnastics at some point, and that my own culture was being sold and repackaged and, you know, bought from us. And there were no South Asian representation. The spirituality has been stripped of it and that I was just in it and like allowing it to happen and feeling second class to this industry that is just promoting white supremacy. And I started decolonizing myself and it was a really painful process and because, when I first spoke out about this, I was met with so much backlash because I was surrounded by the white folks in the wellness, wellness industry. And so I was just like, I
2: know that don't I know that as well.
1: (laughs) Right. It's just like the white fragility is like potent. And you're like, Oh man. Um, and it hurts. They say really hurtful things and they don't listen. And so that was this raw instance. And I was like, what if I had a community that didn't do that? What if I found a community that understood what I was talking about and we supported and uplifted one another and we brought yoga back to its roots. And then um, I made alchemistic. And now, you know, I have te- all my teachers are non-binary or women of color and, they all teach yoga from this beautiful, authentic, spiritual perspective. And I get to teach yoga where I'm reading scripture from ancient india and it just feels like you know what yoga is supposed to be it's not supposed to be like whose ass looks best in, in lulu lemons or whatever oh my um, gosh for
2: real <laughs> and, and yeah i i and i do want to say like that's something that i find really uh you, you mentioned where you write read scriptures and stuff like i find that really important um because you're literally showing people like you know, a source or tech where some of the um, ideas of yoga and ways of thinking come from, like, I remember a few weeks ago, I attended your uh, meditation class, and you were reading from like the Bhagavad Gita. And I was just like, well, this is so cool. Like that has never happened when I, you know, it's, it's funny, because I'm an Asian woman. And so now, you know, I'm trying to reclaim a lot of my interest in meditation, because I, it's, it's like sad to say, but I was first introduced to mindfulness and meditation by white yoga people, mm-hmm. and that's weird to me. Like I'm, mm-hmm. like I'm realizing now how much I don't want that anymore, and so I've taken upon myself to seek, you know, Asian uh, meditation teachers. Um, And also to then really share it based on uh, what it's supposed to be on and not just like, it's for stress relief. I mean, that's one thing I find very hard to, I guess, reconcile in yoga and wellness circles is how much of these spiritual and cultural traditions are just reduced to, if it's not a workout, it's for stress relief. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we're so stressed living in this like capitalist and peerless system. Like we just need to really leave our stress by taking other people's practices it's how i feel and i'm just always like why mm-hmm. <laughs> like why, why is this okay uh because it's it's so prevalent and it's so it's hard to like even i'm, I'm not sure the word is to fight against but it's, it's hard to even um to show up and say there's a different way of doing it, or like looking at it mm-hmm. uh you know and and i know for me Uh, I find that if I didn't have uh, peers like you and Zara, uh, that I would feel very, I guess, like isolated, like very Mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe there's something wrong with me Mm -hmm. for for wanting it to be different than how it typically is. Do you ever Mm -hmm. feel that way?
1: Yes, because it's like to decolonize one's mind is to shatter the norms and the things that we've been conditioned to think. And so it's like, you know, that's what activism is, like, a system's like, no, no, this is how it is, like, don't question this, like, yoga is a multi-billion dollar industry, The teachers don't even get paid anything, but someone's profiting at the top, (laughs) yeah, probably a white, I know Core Power was run by a white man, he created it, and then, you know, has all these teachers that hardly even get living wage, so it's just like, yeah, don't question that, and then, you know, to be an activist, to decolonize, to claim one's lineage back is to be like, no, that's not what this is about. Um, there's like ancient ancestral wisdom to be accessed here that a person who steals it, you know, can't understand.
2: Um,
1: but yes, to have peers that support you makes you feel so much less isolated and like even that radical, like I'm not, you know, so angry, just an angry bitchy woman who, <laughs> whatever like you know they paint feminism to be or activism to be it's like no we're just all you know trying to fight for something important
0: totally yeah yeah i definitely resonate with that um i appreciate you talking about your process of decolonizing your mind um so i am biracial my mom was from england or my mom is from england my dad was from pakistan um and then within that we have islam we have buddhism we have hinduism so like it goes back so deeply and i remember coming to yoga And you said you felt like a second class citizen. I felt that way for so many years. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't belong here. I need to do this so that I belong in this yoga space, belong in this yoga space or whatever. And when it really came down to it, I was like, wait. I'm trying to learn my lineage, like think something that it was in within my culture. And I feel like the outsider and I'm struggling with it. And all of you people who have not, do not have a background, do not have lineage in this practice, get to take it and be content with it and just move on with your life. And for me, it was like such a struggle. You know what I mean? And I just, I really appreciate people that are having this conversation and people who are actively like that you're actively talking about, hey, I had to decolonize my mind because I think as BIPOC, it becomes something like on the activism range where you're like, oh yes, I need to do this. And I think it is easy when you come from, how do I say this nicely, Uh, a background that has not been colonized, marginalized in major and progressive ways. It is much easier to say, like, I don't need to look at that part of my mind. It's fine.
1: Mm Yeah. Yeah. There's such a danger to it too. And it's been palpably like noticed within the QAnon movement for people who take ancient cultures and take from other people and then twist it to their own narrative. Um, Cause they aren't filling in those gaps that are inevitably going to be present with, you know, um, actual knowledge of like what, what this was for, how it originated. And so I've heard, I've heard white yoga teachers like create their whole own story and narrative and philosophies and classes. Um and now like it's uh it's devolved into something kind of scary.
2: That's like an understatement. <laughs> I'm like it's it's so scary and and it's, like, almost unbelievable, but then also, like, not surprising at the same time. Like, it, it it's just become, I feel like, uh, the perfect storm that we don't want to look at or deal with, but we all do actually have to deal with and reckon with. And and, and by we, I mean all of us in the wellness industry, including white people. So any mm-hmm. white people listening or watching, like, get your shit together.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. I know. Right. And
1: there's so many levels to it. It's like...
2: I'll, I'll straight up
1: say that I don't think white people should profit off of teaching yoga. I think money and resources should be sent to BIPOC people who are teaching their lineage and who need resources because the system's been set up to strip resources of them. Um, so that would be a good start. If anyone's wondering for like a tangible step to take.
0: Um, I sort of love that because, I mean, I've talked to Hian about this before, but I remember in my 200-hour training, it was... There were it was there I wasn't the only person of color in it, which was nice. It was mixed. Um, But I do remember we learned about anti vax stuff. We learned about MLM stuff and set the power of essential oils, just all of this really toxic wellness stuff. And I just wonder if well, I'm I don't wonder. I'm fairly certain that if this class or training had been taught by um, a BIPOC member or someone who was actively working on decolonizing or someone who wasn't like pushing pseudo wellness um, that I think everyone would have learned a lot more. And I just see, I'm going to hold off on that one. Um, (laughs) yeah, Yeah.
1: you have more restraint than I, Um, yeah, Yep. I know you'd probably learn chanting and mudras and asana and meditation and nowhere would it say like, also like this will cure, you know, strep throat if you chant enough, like, no, it's just going to tell you, like, these are sacred sounds that we seed into our body for a transcendent experience. But yes, when pseudoscience and wellness come together, it creates some really wacky, wacky theories.
0: Um, so I'm curious, because you're on Tiana land, I'm curious why there, what you're doing. Like, I'd love to hear more about your experience, especially because you're so into activism and decolonization, and Puerto Rico is a place where there's so much going on right now.
1: It's a fucking
0: colony, sadly. like.
1: Yeah, it is a colony. Um, There's such a cool activist community here, especially in this town that I live in, Luquillo. There's a big, actually, the governor just passed a state of emergency for women and trans people until rules and regulations are put in place where they aren't being violently attacked as much anymore which is thanks to activists here. And so um, it's a thriving place for activism. I'm also just like kind of a hippie, obviously, like I can't deny that. (laughs) And I love nature. I love, you know, like a really chill, natural spot to kick up. And I wanted to know what it was like to live in the jungle, so. I moved here and it's every bit as gorgeous as I thought it would be. Also kind of like fuck the mainland America right now. It's like way too heavy
0: over there. <laughs> well, I live in Florida, so it's actually just a whole different world here. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, um, but I love Puerto Rico. I have a really close friend who is from Puerto Rico and we've been before and it's just truly a beautiful country. Or yeah. I don't even know what to properly call it. It should be Let's just call it what it should be, I don't know, um, yeah, 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 or an independent nation, I don't know, whatever they want, okay,
1: anyways, <laughs> I think it's split down the middle, I would go for independent nation, because, like, I don't know, I'm all about sovereignty, but I think um, when they come to voting, they're kind of split of being a state, because they would get a lot of funding from the mainland, hopefully, in that case, and if they were independent, they would just kind of, you know, there, it's, um, was hit by Hurricane Maria, and it's, like, suffering from impoverishment due to the colony status where they can't vote, but they can fight in the wars. And so it's created a lot of disparity here. So sovereignty would be like, you know, having no aid. I thought about the idea of having like a GoFundMe for the world and and just allocating it in that case, just like, you know, help Puerto Rico get com, But I don't think that'll happen.
0: I think it's a brilliant really idea. I think the allocations of all of that would be difficult. Yeah, but I think that's really beautiful. So you offer um, scholarships to BIPOC, LGBTQ, a marginalized, and I see specifically that you offer to Dalit. Could you talk a little bit more on that?
1: Mm-hmm. So the caste system in India is something that's a part of our history and it needs to be looked at and it needs to be abolished part of my decolonizing process, I kind of opened myself up like fully to to shake my worldview and to make me truly understand where I stand on the spectrum of privilege versus marginalization. And so I joined a lot of leftist South Asian groups and I started talking about how I'm, or actually I just threw the idea out there that I was gonna teach yoga and they were like, you're Brahmin, do you even talk about that? Have you even considered the amount of privilege that you have as a Brahmin, which is like, top cast or whatever and I had to really reckon with that and I think it's the closest I've come to feeling like a person who's called out for being white or cis or having male privilege and it's hard it's really hard but it's also like such an opportunity to learn and grow and so I want to uplift and give opportunities to Dalit people who are the reason activism is thriving in India you can thank like a Dalit woman probably and um that's my way of kind of offering my resources is to um, give them scholarships and then also like uplift yoga teachers, um, journalists, um, activists, and, you know, the farm protest has a lot to do with caste too. And like, it's just this terrible vile system that needs to be abolished. And I think even just saying the word, throwing it out there, also may cause someone to ask, like you are, like what What are you talking about? And it's like, well, the the caste system still creates this um, like terrible disparity in resources in India, and it's so outdated, and it's um, time we talk
0: about it. Beautiful, I love it.
2: Yeah, I I love it too, and and I I'm also aware that there is going to potentially be pushback to even us talking about this. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, I'm just curious to know, you know, your work, the way, you know, from what I've been noticing is so, um, it's so like real, like, like, I feel like you're so real and really using your voice and really showing uh, what you value in what you know, you present. And I'm curious to know if you've had um, any pushback since doing um, Alchemistic Studio and how you deal with it or if you were to get pushback, uh, you know whether maybe it's someone from an upper caste who questions um, you even naming Dal- Dalits in your scholarship offers or even just everything that you uh, offer and the way you do it uh, how you might react to that and, and I, I'm just curious to also know uh, because it kind of uh, happens uh, I get sometimes get pushed back to I offer yoga for BIPOC and that has been something where most people love that I do that and some people are like oh like you're trying to do segregation again <laughs> and I'm like yo no
1: whoa the ac- mental gymnastics you have to go through to get to that conclusion wow Um, within Alchemistic, I'm really thankful I've purposely curated my feed and my community so that within like, let's say like the Instagram or the Facebook world of my world, like I don't get pushback when I have reached out to other groups to promote, um, and send out my message, I've gotten a lot of pushback and I think you have to deal with it kind of like it's your work because it's emotional labor to try to educate someone. And then especially if they start arguing with you instead of maybe like sitting back and trying to understand, it can create a lot of labor. And so there's the aspect where you want to keep talking about your message and, you know, spreading awareness. And then you also have to take care of yourself and understand that it's draining. So, um, I try to parse that out and find a balance there. Cause I feel like being an activist, you're just like, there's like, this is maybe unpopular opinion, but there can be a big martyr complex within activism. Like I will work until I, you know, burn out and it's not good. You need to do it sustainably. So um, in terms of pushback, that's what it is. It's like, it's a tangible example of the systems at play that we're trying to fight against. So it's like, you know, Taking time to take care of yourself in between schooling these people. (laughs) So
0: curious. Oh Oh, sorry, sorry, you go. I was just gonna ask how you care for yourself. Like what is your wellness in that moment or to recover in those moments or just in general?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: When Last summer, when I was first entering this realm, and that's when I did receive the most pushback because I was kind of breaking free from all of the communities that I was in. I um, talked to my therapist, like so many sessions just about this. And I do go to therapy um, once a week. So if something really sits with me wrong or rubs me the wrong way, I'll, I'll go to my therapist. I also, of course, have my own yoga practice. And um, I turned off all the notifications on my social media so that I access it when I want to. And to that token, like turning the phone off and stepping away from the internet and from those spaces. Cause this is all happening online, which like the beauty of it is that we can disengage when we want to, if we remember to. So um, yeah, those, those things.
2: Yeah. Those are, those are really good things. And I, I think having um, a therapist is really important, which I know um, it does intersect with or is included in wellness. And yet I think there are still uh, people who try to say like, oh, I can just like meditate on my depression away <laughs> or I'll just go to yoga class instead of dealing with, you know, the real shit. And so I, I just always love hearing other people in the wellness industry just say like, Hey, I have a therapist. I have a therapist too. (laughs) Like, Sarah, you go to therapy too. Like, uh, I just think that's another important uh, piece in wellness um, is to take care of the mind. So Mm -hmm. thank you for uh, sharing that. Um, I I want to know um, what's one thing you want to see more of in wellness uh, and what's one thing you want to see less of in wellness?
1: I wanna see more intersectionality and in wellness. I want, um, like, I look at my clients and I see disabled people, I see people who identify as fat, I see BIPOC people, queer people, like, you know, non-binary folks. Like, when I look at my classes, I see an actual representation of society. And then when you go to these white wellness spaces, you don't, you see just like very able-bodied cis, straight white people and that's not the reality of the world and then it plays into what you're saying where it's so easy then to get stuck in that bubble and to think that you have escaped suffering but you're really just surrounded in privilege and so um that's what I want to see in wellness and uh what was the other question what I want to see less of I guess to that same end is the uh the whitewashing the cultural appropriation the you know how it's so able-centric it's money-centric too yoga's turned into this like luxury item that I know like I watch the show Shameless a lot and they always joke about like you know your town's getting gentrified when those yoga studios start popping up like and those juice bars you know and it's like like why this like (laughs) this art form that started as this kind of like experience where you let go of material and worldly things and dive inwards has somehow been contorted into this like becky's sunday off moment <laughs> so I'm just... that's
2: exactly you're right i mean that's exactly what it is it's becky's uh sunday off and then if becky wants to go deeper she can pay thousands of dollars to go on a special retreat with the with the like uh Toxic detoxing cleanse special and then if Becky wants to go even deeper she can take like a yoga teacher training
0: taught by the superior Becky like that's what (laughs) yeah and what's crazy to me a lot of these like Becky's in trainings they're not taking like certified and like there's a lot to be said about yoga lines but that's like a whole different conversation but at least at this point yoga lines is trying to get to having people like understand roots and philosophy of yoga that's a very big, whole different conversation. But like these people are just like learning whatever their studio teacher thinks is great and wonderful in yoga. There's no lineage. There's no background. Oh, yes. I got <laughs> you. I got you started. And <laughs>
1: <Yeah. laughs> so true.
2: It's it's so right, though. <laughs> yeah, <no.
0: laughs> I had someone I had a studio owner try to talk me out of joining Susanna Bargataki's training, which is where Kiana and I met um, to do her training. And I was like, you're not yoga certified. You don't have a curriculum. Um, what, what am I paying you money for? Mm -hmm. Wow. That's wild. I
2: think you told me that, but I forgot that you told that someone was trying to talk you out of doing Susanna's training. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why? Because it's money driven. It's not, oh, you're going to learn so much of my training or I have so much like value to offer you or I've done studies. It's like, oh, well, you should do it here, because then I get the money. Yeah, this
2: makes me, this could make me launch into a deep, deep discussion on capitalism. <laughs> uh, but that could, be, that could be, that would probably be uh, another podcast down the line, <laughs> who we'll have someone to talk to us about that. Uh, right. a, lot of, a lot of things. Um, but uh, Uh, Misha, I'm I'm curious to know um, if there is anything in particular that you're uh, working on that you want to kind of share and promote right now. Uh, It could be something uh, like an ongoing offering you have or a workshop you might have within the next uh, two months or so.
1: Sure. Um, So I always invite folks to come check out the studio. It's all virtual. And so that's alchemisticstudio.com. And we have just, like I said, all these incredible facilitators and you can join a class anytime during the week. Um, I'm also relaunching Reclaiming Chakras because it went so well and I just loved the community that we were able to build. And so um, I'm relaunching this workshop. What it's about is the history and origin of the chakra system from a decolonized lens. And then, actual chakra healing meditations for folks who are marginalized in society, because the energetic baggage and blockages that we take on are unique. And so it's important to think about the energy centers in the bodies from the lens of how society, for example, might make you feel ungrounded, you know, if you're living in a black or brown body, um, things like that. And this time it's going to be two hours long. Um, because, because we went over last time, it was an hour and a half.
0: half, and everyone wanted to stay, stay and talk. talk. So cool. I do not have a date quite yet, but stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for joining us. I really love what you have to say, and I'm excited to keep following your work. Yes.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was beautiful. Of
0: course.
2: Thank you for listening to the Thoughtful Wellness Revolution podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to wherever you're listening.